sober member of AA, and a very grateful time, and a very, very grateful member of Alan. Before I get started, I want to thank the committee talk to AAs and Al-Anons. It kind of puts me on the spot a little bit because uh, I still have a little bit of that old approval, that need for approval left within me before I got up here. There's something, just something that came out this afternoon. Somebody, it's only one person, they wrote the trip back here strange creatures that they call old-timers. I hate the name. Because in my mind there is no such thing as an old-timer. Because I find in my own experience that I have had to learn and learn and learn. And that's what I'd like to tell you about this afternoon, if I can. How I found me because I think this is extremely important. Alcoholism, as most of you know, is a family myth. It affects every member of the family. And yet I would say to you that I know without, that my problem has always been me, will always be me, and if I allow circumstances and conditions around me to uh, do things to me, it's because either that I don't know any better or that I am not working this program to the best of my ability. Because it seems that it's our reaction to what happens around us that is important. And so many of us who do not know anything about alcoholism, who do not understand it, react in some very, very unfortunate ways. And yet we have to forgive ourselves when we come into Al-Anon for the things we've done, the things we've said, because we realize that if we had known better, we would have done better. And those of you here who are members of Al-Anon don't know how fortunate you are. Because when I came to AA with my husband, Almost 22 years ago, there was no outline. There were wives groups. And I think most of you know what I'm talking about. They were crying towel groups. We spent most of our time talking about the awful things our husbands had done and felt very, very sorry for ourselves. And uh, we weren't getting our just due. We weren't getting our proper respect. Uh, after all, they owe us considerable because they put us through so much, you know? So, thank God for Al-Anon. You don't know how lucky you are. You see, I spent many, many years with a practicing alcoholic, not knowing what I was up against having no more idea of why he drank than the man in the moon, thinking that it was a deliberate thing upon his part, or that possibly there was something wrong with me, that I was inadequate, and that possibly he could have married someone else who would have 
satisfied him better because you see the alcoholic, and my apologies to you alcoholic, they are perfectionists. And when they are drinking, they carry this to the nth degree. And nothing, but nothing you do satisfies them. <laughs> it doesn't seem to make any difference at all. And so you're never, never where you think you should be. And after a while, when you see this wonderful guy that you married, this terrific man who has charm, wonderful ability, tremendous mind, that you know can go far, and you watch him over the years, bit by bit, little by little, and year by year, going down the drain. I think it's one of the most heartbreaking, one of the most frustrating things that any person can go through. And it does things to you that nothing else under the sun can do, because without knowledge of what you are up against, you have no, no way to do anything about yourself. You have no answers. It is just as necessary for those of us in the families of the alcoholics to have answers for living as it is for the alcoholics. And may I say this too, that you have no corner on obsessions of the mind. We are so obsessed with the alcoholic in our family that we can't think about, see, anything else under the sun. We are so focused on this particular terrible thing in our family that everything else goes by the board. I can see now that I... I don't say that I neglected my children. This I did not do. But the thing that I did neglect was my time. The place that I can see now where I did not give to my children the very thing that they needed most was time to sit and listen, time to share, time to talk, because I was always too busy frantically running around trying to find some way to get my husband sober, not having the faintest idea that it was something that I had absolutely no control over. I fought it in every way that I knew how. My husband was a periodic drinker for the last ten years, and this is one of the reasons why I have no quarrel with our second step to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore me to sanity. If you had told me then that I was insane, I would have laughed in your face. But I can see now that if I was not deliberately and absolutely insane, I had very, very much of what we call insane thinking. During the drinking period, I would cry, and I would beg, and I would implore, and I would say things that no lady says, and I would scream, and my children would come in in the middle of the night and say, oh, mother, can't you be quiet? We can't sleep. 
And then during the sober period, because the alcoholic, you know, has the ability to sell you a bill of goods without even trying. Always for ten long years in the sober periods between drunk, hope was born again. And everything would smooth out eventually and we would get back to what we called then normal living. And then about a week or two before he was about to go on another bender, I would sense this because there would be a change in his attitude. He would begin to try to needle and pick and try to uh, cause a situation whereby he would have a real good excuse to go out and try one on again. Then for ten long years, you see, I did the same thing every drunken period for ten long years and never, never learned that what I was doing had absolutely no effect whatsoever. I would say, why can't you stand up and be a man? Why can't you use your willpower? Why don't you pull yourself up by your bootstraps? Why don't you drink like Ted? This, this is one of the things that uh, used to bore me. I couldn't understand why. And as it got worse and worse and came to the point of very near death, to the point of alcoholic convulsions and DTs, then I knew that I was going to have to make the decision that I had been afraid to make before. Because you see, I had been on the fence for many, many years. Shall I stay or shall I leave? Is it better to have a drunken father or no father at all? And I couldn't make up my mind because I had never been used to making decisions. I'm an only child brought up by parents who had been very, very sick, who had never allowed me to make a decision. So it was very, very difficult for me. But I finally was forced into a corner that I could not get out of. And I would say this before going on, that I can see now that every step in growth that I have ever made in my life I have been forced into. Thank God for some of these bad things that happen to us because maybe they make us get busy and do something about ourselves. So I sought a divorce. And as our chairman said, I started to business school. I, who had never done anything in my life but art, drama, and music, started to business school and started practice typing at home. I didn't intend to talk about this, but since you mentioned it, I might as well <laughs> And I think the peck, peck, pecking at home got under my husband's skin more than anything that I'd ever said. <laughs> because it was very shortly after this that he came to AA in complete and utter surrender. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough of my story. I came to AA with Seth for six long years before Alan and I came into being. And then when Lois came to the coast and talked about forming a society for us, 
I said, oh, Beverly Hills needs this tremendously. And three of us started a meeting at my home in Beverly Hills. And it was there for about three years before we decided that the group needed to stand on its own two feet and went out and rented the place. But you know, during those three years, I ran that group. See, I'd been around longer than any of the rest of them. I knew more. I knew more words, that is. <laughs> I could tell you very definitely what you were doing that was wrong and what you could do to take care of it and uh, just that on time. But you know, the funny part of it is that it took me until just ten years ago when we moved to Laguna Beach out of the home that we lived in for 28 years to find out that I didn't know inside one thing about this program except the very little bit that had rubbed off on me from going to so many, many meetings. Many of my ideas I know had changed. Many of my attitudes had changed without my even being aware of it. But as to really taking these 12 steps and applying them to me, this I had not done. And it took another corner that I got pushed into to get me out of this. Because I finally realized that I had become a complete and utter nothing. Most of you know my husband and you know that he comes on pretty strong. He has a very, very strong personality and it's not easy to live with a strong personality and be an individual yourself. This I had ceased to be if I ever was, and I doubt that very seriously. I don't think I ever was, because I had learned in my youth, through some dramatic experience that I had had, to put up a very good front. And I hid behind that front all the rest of my life until it suddenly became clear to me that I was not being me. I had never really been me in my life. I got so uncomfortable down in Laguna because, you see, my husband's business is up in Los Angeles, and I could no longer go with him to his meetings during the week because he would go straight from his office. I'm 57 miles down the coast, so there was not time for him to come home and get me. So I could only go on weekends. And I think most of you Alanons know exactly what happened to me. I reverted almost completely to my old self-pitying for me self. After all, he'd been talking for 15 long years. Wasn't it time that he slowed down and gave me a little bit of his time? Wasn't it time that his family had more of his time. After all, we had met him when he was drinking, and now that he was sober, we still didn't have him, and all this sort of thing that you hear so much talk of the on. Why does my husband have to spend so much time in AA? He's neglecting his family. After all, uh, I thought that when a man got sober, maybe he was going to be at home more. Why does he have to go so much? 
I hate to repeat this story so much, but I think it's tremendously important. Many of you have heard it before. But there always are those Alanons who feel this way, and perhaps this can help them in finding the answer that I found through very, very painful growing up period. I began to put considerable pressure on Chuck to slow down. And he got so uncomfortable he couldn't stand it. He tried very hard to slow down, but he just simply couldn't do it. It wasn't his cup of tea. He said, when AA calls, I have got to go. How am I going to pick and choose who I am going to talk for or who I am going to work with? How can I pick and choose? And he said, I am going to have to be comfortable with me and you will have to adjust yourself to it. And I didn't like this at first, but it finally became clear to me that I was going to have to do something about me. And my youngest son gave me the answer. He said, Mom, why don't you start another Al-Anon group? And since there was no daytime group in that area at all, I started a daytime group. And that wonderful group has done what nothing else under the sun, I believe, could have done. They have shown me the way to find me. Because I do believe definitely that it is in giving that we receive and in trying to do something for myself and for somebody else they gave me back more and more and more and i began to realize that i was going to have to get rid of this terrible feeling of nothingness of just being the wallpaper on the wall I had never had any self-confidence, and yet I had hidden that with this beautiful front, and everybody thought I had a tremendous ability to stand before you and be very much at ease and not be nervous at all. And I would be shaking from the soles of my feet to the top of my head, but you never knew it. This isn't a good way to live. And I began to see, finally, that my need for approval and my terrible fear of disapproval was just dragging me around by the nape of the neck and had been all my life. This was why I always had to do what I thought you wanted me to do, to say what I thought you wanted me to say and be what I thought you wanted me to be. And I was never comfortable with me. I have always had this feeling of aloneness too, of not being able to integrate. So many of us who marry alcoholics are so much like you. I can identify with so many, many alcoholic speakers because I have felt the same way. The only thing that I can't quite get hold of is that terrible, terrible necessity to drink. And yet I find in this program everything else that I need, everything else that I need. I finally began to learn that I had to become more flexible. I had to be able to bend with the wind. 
I have to be able to say to myself, what is important? What is important? Just through the application of these 12 steps in my very own life, in my inventory, in the work. In that first step is our release step. We are powerless over alcohol. We are powerless over the alcoholic. We are powerless over everyone. And our lives have become unmanageable. What do we mean in Al-Anon when we say release with love? Release with love. In the East, they call it detachment. But I don't, somehow or other, don't cotton to this word detachment. To me, it's pretty cold. Release with love, to me, means a great deal more. And what does this mean? It means to give every person in the world the dignity of a human being, the dignity of a child of God, regardless of what the exterior looks like. Give them the dignity to find their own answers in their own way, in their own time. Give them the right to be wrong and the right to make mistakes. Because isn't this the way we learn? I had to learn the hard way. My husband had to learn the hard way. I don't know a soul in Al-Anon or AA that hasn't had to learn the hard way. And this is what I mean when I say that every step in growth that I have ever made I have been forced into by circumstances, by this grinding thing inside of me, this hurt that so many AAs talk about, how terribly they hurt. Don't you know that we hurt too? Don't you know that we understand that pain? But you see, we have no way to get away from it during the drinking years. You have alcohol to anesthetize yourself. But we have no answer. None. And sometimes I think that we come into Al-Anon sicker than the alcoholic. Many of us end up in institutions. I have known many girls who have become so distraught that they have gotten in their cars and driven all over Hell's Half Acre through stop signs and red lights and God knows how they kept from killing somebody or killing themselves. Just as drunk on emotion as the alcoholic is on alcohol. But we come to Al-Anon, and the first thing we may ask is, I came to find a way to get my husband sober. This is the only thing they want, just to get my husband or my wife sober. And they're rather taken aback when they find out that that is not the purpose of our program, that there is absolutely nothing that we can do to get our mate sober, or our child sober, or our mother or our father sober. This is where the relief comes in and is so terribly important. 
that we be able to take our hands completely off the alcohol. Completely off. But to do it with love. To do it with love. To allow him to find, or her to find their own answers in their own time, in their own way, in freedom. But then, the reason that we need Alanon, we need a way to find peace and contentment within ourselves in spite of what's going on around us. You know, in that wonderful book of Anne Lindbergh, she says, she talks about the wheel, and she gives it as an example. She had to go to the seashore, as you remember, in order to get her thoughts straightened out. And this wonderful simile came to her. She said, the world is the outer rim of the wheel, and it goes round and round and round and round and round, faster and faster and faster. But the hub remains quiet. And that's what we have to learn to do, to find our own peace and contentment inside us, to be able to release ourselves from the necessity of approval from all these people and especially from our mates. But then the motive for this is always one of love. It can't be hard or harsh or harmful. We have to learn that the suffering alcoholic will many times give us a real bad time. They are the most expert needlers in the business, I think, and they know every soft spot in you, and they can dig and dig and dig. I don't mean this as a criticism of the alcoholic. Please don't misunderstand me. I think it's something you have to do. Because you see, when the alcoholic is hating himself and hurting so terribly, he has to tear us down in order to build himself up. And when we understand this, then it no longer hurts us because we realize that it is not personal. He's taking out his misery on the nearest thing at hand, and it's usually the wife, and we become the whipping boy. And the less we can react to this, the better off we are. And you know, it's a funny thing. When we stop reacting, it upsets the hell out of me. <laughs> they don't like it one bit. But I think that every one of them, when it comes time for them to find their answers, then they probably will thank us because it has saved many, many a brawl that we might have had otherwise. And these things are not funny and they're not pleasant. Oh, I wish that I could tell you the freedom that just getting rid of the necessity, I say the necessity, for your approval has meant to me. It is the thing that has made it possible for me to get up here and talk to you. Because you are my friend, 
and I love you, and I hope you love me, because this is one of the greatest things that this program has taught me. I came into Al-Anon completely frozen inside. Even the six years in AA with my husband had not helped this situation. I couldn't feel. Couldn't feel. And gradually by degrees, since moving to Laguna, this is the thing that it, I have to keep going back to. Because I was so miserable that I had to do something about me. And let me tell you about a couple of three gals that I have worked with that, that might illustrate even a little better what I'm trying to talk about. I've been working for three years now with a doctor's wife back there in our area. I worked with her for a year before her husband got sober, and I've been working with her for two since he got sober, and I'm getting absolutely no place. During that year, before he got sober, all she wanted was for him to get well. That's all she wanted, was for him to be sober. He's a very fine doctor and is very well thought of, but he had almost come to the point of losing his life to practice. He finally got sober, and he's been sober two years now, and he's not doing one cotton second thing that she wants him to do. Not why. She's the sickest woman I think I have ever seen, and she's getting sicker and sicker by the day. I did not see this sickness in her when he was drinking, because she could manage everything then. But when he got sober, she couldn't manage things like she wanted to anymore, and it's given her a real bad time. And she will not. She will not get her eye off of this every single solitary move he makes. She has even worked herself into the place now where she is suspecting him of having an affair with his office nurse because he spends so much time down at the office at night. This man is trying desperately to do the things that he has left undone for so many years. And he has some hobbies that he enjoys very much. He works in plastics and has coin collections and I don't know what all. And he gets absolutely no sympathy or interest from his family at home, so naturally taking them down to the office. She is so disturbed and so wrought up and so needly herself that he's running away from home. And I said to her, has it ever occurred to you that if you would quit this suspicious mind and allow this man some real freedom and get busy on yourself, that you might be able to change your attitude to the point where there was a little warmth and love and security at home and make yourself look better and go out and fix your hair and do a few things to make yourself more attractive that he might come home more often, and I can't get it over. I just can't get it over. And it, she has lately been almost suicidal, and this scares me because she's going downhill so fast. So this is what can happen to us if we do not get well. On the other hand, she sent me 
Strangely enough, another doctor's wife. A little bit of a thing. She isn't any taller than that. One of the sweetest little women I think I've ever known in my life. And when she called me, she was all ready to go to a psychiatrist because she was so frightened. She said, Elsa, I'm scared to go across the street. I can't even go to the market and shop for my family. I spend most of my time in bed sleeping. I'm just scared to death. Of course, her husband's still possibly. And I said to her, why don't you try Al-Anon for a little while? Because we have a program here, and you will find friends and love and sharing. And this program, if you will apply it to yourself one day at a time, will do what a psychiatrist would do for you, and it's for nothing. It will not cost you a red cent. Why don't you come for two or three months and see what will happen? And then if you decide that this is not for you, then go ahead and go to the psychiatrist if you need to. And she came. And she stayed. And she believed us. And she put into practice the things that we told her. And she's been coming for about six months now and she's getting well. In spite of a still practicing alcoholic in the home. And these are the things that can happen to us if we honestly and sincerely try to apply these 12 steps to our very own lives. We get well too. But there's one other area that I would like to say something about this afternoon. I have a few minutes more. I would like to talk about the family a little bit. Because I have been getting more and more disturbed lately at the number of families that are breaking up after sobriety. Very disturbed. Because it would seem to me that this program inherent in this program is the very thing that should make for better family unity than we have ever had before. Providing we are all trying to walk down the same pathway. Al-Anon and AA are two separate entities. We do not affiliate, but we do cooperate. And to me, this is the thing that is so, so important. And the thing that we are not giving enough thought to, either in Al-Anon or AA. And lest I, I hope I won't offend any AAs that are here, when I say that I wish that AA would talk more about taking this program home, it speaks of it in the big book, how can we have a happy, contented sobriety without the family unity? Why can't we take these 12 traditions and apply those to the home as well as to the group? To me, this is just as necessary personally and in our family. So many of us, both Al-Anon and AA, are wonderful Al-Anons and AAs outside. And the minute we walk in our front door, we revert. And I remember something that I heard a psychiatrist say one time. 
unhappy thought patterns have a way of reoccurring with monotonous regularity. <laughs> and I have to say to myself, oh dear, oh dear, so soon old and so late smart. <laughs> I told my son the other night, I said, isn't it too bad that you have to get to be 65 before you get any sense? But to me, this family unity is so important because the thing that I think we don't realize is that we are not sharing with each other. The great cry is there's no communication. There's no communication. Why is there no communication? It's because we won't share with each other our innermost feelings. Are we afraid of each other? I think sometimes we are. We're afraid to have someone else find out how we feel inside. But it makes the greatest difference in the world to be able to share because, you see, we are trying to live exactly the same program you are trying to live. Why can't we share it in the home? The AAs, I know, are very jealous of their program. We're not trying to wiggle into your program. We have our own but it's the same as yours. So maybe now we can sit and discuss these things so that there will never be the necessity anymore to argue or for one to convince the other one that they're right and the other one's wrong because, you see, we have released with love and we give everyone the right to their own opinion. But, you see, we keep our right to have our opinion too. So perhaps we can become individuals again. Perhaps we can get back our own personal integrity. Perhaps we can get back to this place where I am finally beginning to get, where I can like me for the first time in my life, and where I can have some real... I can laugh with me for the first time in, in all these years. We are so serious. What do we want to be so serious for? The AAs laugh at themselves, why can't we? If they didn't laugh at themselves, they'd die crying. And so would we. So would we. So it's a beautiful way to live. Sharing, going down this pathway of life like two railroad tracks, separately but together. In unity. We forget that when we come into this program, we are changing, growing people. And it almost takes a daily readjustment. We have to have the patience and the willingness to allow each other to grow. We have to have a lot of patience. It's wonderful. It works. Just try it. And thank you again for asking me to be with you. I love you. I've enjoyed being with you. God bless you all. Thank you.